Hello, everyone. This is Sherry Rice. Welcome to Access to Healthcare's weekly podcast, where we bring you local and national guests on a variety of topics important to you and your family. And my guest today is Sharon Chamberlain, CEO of Northern Nevada Hope. Sharon's going to tell us about her new housing project, Hope Springs, which opened up in January. But we're also going to discuss the issue of homelessness in our community, an issue that affects all of us and an issue that all of us should be involved with. Welcome, Sharon. Thanks so much for having me, Sherry. appreciate it. Um, before we go into about the housing projects, let's talk about HOPES itself. Um, how many years have you been with HOPES? And, and actually, when did HOPES start? I know it was uh, well over a decade ago. Right. It really was. We started in 1997. Uh, so we had oh, our Right. Uh, it just it's, it's amazing how long uh, we've been a part of the community and serving the community. And we had started, of course, serving individuals that were living with HIV and then expanded um, in 2013 to become a community health center, which serves people uh, regardless of their ability to pay for primary care services and other services um, in, throughout our entire community. My goodness, I didn't realize it had been so long. I've been, of course, we've been partnering with you for for well over a decade and probably longer, at least 15 years, and seen hopes evolve into uh, one of the premier clinics in, in our community. How many people a year do you serve? We have about 12,000 patients and about 66,000 uh, visits um, uh, annually. For goodness sakes. And, um, and you have a, well, it's relatively new building uh, that you have in downtown Reno. We do, um, and I think I always get confused what year we moved in there, <laughs> but I think it was around 2013 uh, that we moved into that new building, and um, I tell you what, it, and this is what everybody says, right? You build the building, and then uh, people come, and then you're ready to uh, move on, and you need a, you need more space, right. and so um, right. that's that's kind of where we are now is that we're looking at uh, more space for, for the clinic. We, we have to turn away about 40 individuals um, every day that are looking to establish care, um, primary care at Hope's Clinic uh, because of space. So we definitely need to expand. It's time. Oh, for goodness sakes. And are you looking to expand on that piece of property? Well, we're we're looking at literally every single uh, option that we could imagine. So we're looking at actual properties. We're looking at um, we're looking at um, you know we've gotten some drawings done up about how we could expand on that property, um, mm -hmm. and it's pretty constrained, of course. So, um, but we're we're looking at all options and uh, welcome people that have any ideas about it. Also, well, and 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 I know because access uh, we're expanding too. Um, we're adding another 15,000 more square feet by this summer. Wow. So we'd have 1,000 square feet. And as much as that is a blessing to know that you have, you're taking care of so much of the community that you need more space, it also comes with a certain amount of um, challenges when we need yeah. to increase our space. And one of them is cost, isn't it? And yes, it, absolutely. <laughs> And I know that quite a few people in the community uh, gives, give their money to HOPES and that they very much support you. 
Well, we're so we're so fortunate for the for both you know individual donors in our community as well as um, the local foundations and others that support Hope. Uh, we could not do it without them for sure. Well, and that takes me to Hope Springs. Let's talk about that because I know that was a community project. I know you had some major donors. You also had people uh, giving small donations, and you and I know that the small donations matter just as much as the big ones. What motivated you to take on such a large project as Hope Springs? Well, I tell you, uh, you know, a lot of people asked, you know, why why is a why is a primary health care clinic getting involved in housing? And it's because we know that housing right impacts uh, someone's uh, health tremendously. And, um, you know, somebody, the average life expectancy in the U.S. is uh, 80 years old, yet only 60 years old for someone experiencing homelessness. So we know the toll that homelessness takes on people's lives. Um, 25% of our own patients are experiencing homelessness. And so we we just knew that um, this was an area that we wanted to step into and we wanted to do something unique and we wanted it to have um, in that way, we wanted it to have services that were wrapped in with the housing so that individuals that came in uh, would not just be having a roof over their heads, uh, but they would also receive really intensive services to ensure their successful transition from the streets. So describe Hope Springs for us, describe the housing for us. And then um, let's get into the criteria to become a resident. But what? How many um, houses are there? What is the structure of um, of Hope Springs? Sure. So there's 30 individual sleeping units, and it surrounds um, a 3,200 square foot facility that has the restrooms, showers laundry, a kitchen, and then a community space. Um, there's also some really unique pieces about Hope Springs. For example, the facility, um, the campuses will, will accept residents with dogs. And so we have a dog, dog park built mm -hmm. into the campus um, and we're working to provide access to veterinary services and uh, also training services for the dogs so that they can be good tenants when they move out also. Um, we have oh, a large garden um, working with Urban Roots on that project and, um, and our residents will take care of the garden and um, we'll be able to supply fresh vegetables and herbs to uh, all the residents living there. And do you have staff there 24-7? Well, we have staff there from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 365 days a year. And then from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m., we actually have security there. Um, and the security personnel will um, just patrol the campus. It's 0.92 acres, mm -hmm. but walk around. Um, we have cameras literally covering every aspect of the entire campus. So um, they'll be able to watch that also. Um, but really to make sure that, you know, ensure that for the safety of our clients um, and right. to be there, if, you know, if anything, um, if somebody starts to have a need that needs to be addressed by staff, um, staff will be there to, um, to assist. They'll come over and assist. Wow. How long did it take to put all this together, Sharon? Well, from start to finish, from the real start to the finish, it was about it was about three years. Um, but the actual construction was was much less. It was about um, six, seven months um, for the actual construction and everything once that started. But, um, you know, getting this getting the city on board um, and really getting them to champion this project, which they which they really did. Um, and they provided us that land that we built this um, project on. Um, as well as some financial support, um, it just it took took a while for for people to understand what it would look like and um, what you know what these 30 individual sleeping units were all about and what really makes it different is um, is having you know not just providing the safe and dignified housing but also providing the wraparound services. 
Well, and we're going to talk about the homeless situation in Reno and Sparks in just a couple of minutes um, and how much people are afraid of the homeless. And I know that that was one stipulation that you had to make, which is, you know, this is a dignified, secure place for people. And uh, it's kind of not in my backyard type thing. You know, um, I tell you what, um, the the campus itself, and I encourage people to uh, connect with us so that we can give you a tour and things, but the campus itself is just, it's really beautiful. Um, we wanted individuals coming in um, inside for the first time, often in, in years, uh, to really feel a sense of community and a sense of belonging and a sense of pride um, in their housing um, and in, in, in the campus. And so we worked really hard to create uh, an environment that fosters uh, relationship building and um, a sense of community, everything from, you know, an outdoor fire pit and um, grill and griddle to, um, you know, to an inside area with, you know, it has, we have large garage, like glass roll up doors so that um, individuals coming inside, it's often a challenge to be just surrounded by four walls all the time. It feels very closed in. So we have a very light filled community space with doors that roll up to be able to let the inside and outside uh, mix a little bit. So um, I think there's a lot of a lot of pride that will be taken in uh, the facility itself by the residents. Well, you're you're giving the residents something that the rest of us just take for granted. What is the criteria to become a resident at Hope Springs? You know, the real criteria, well, there's there's a um, age 18 um, and over is the population that we're serving. Um, but the real criteria is is going to be a willingness to to work towards um, permanent housing. And we're going to use the VI SPDAT and SPDAT uh, as a tool, which is a tool that really measures everything from, you know, economic wellness to um, social supports to, um, you know, your your primary care issues and chronic disease issues, behavioral health, substance use, et cetera. And then we'll do motivational interviewing to really help um, individuals understand if they're ready to come in and start working a program that's that's pretty significant and uh, very busy uh, every, every day. Um, and so uh, people really, the number one criteria is somebody's willingness um, and ability to step forward and make this big change from coming off the street. Well, and I, I can imagine it's a huge change for people. And you also, it would be uh, giving them a skill set to get a job. Yes, yes. So we'll have uh, some job training services there. And, you know, really part of their care plan, as soon as they come in, we'll be working on an exit strategy. Individuals will stay with us for about four to six months. And so really from the day that they come in, um, we'll be working hard to find them um, with, uh, to, to um, find them uh, with them, uh, help them find housing. And uh, because that, that will be really what we feel like the biggest challenge will be just because there's such a shortage of housing in the community um, that's affordable is is that exit plan so the the individual might be ready to go and much might be ready for a much lower level of care not not nearly as many services um, but will we be able to find them a place to um, move into that's that that will be the big question well I, I would imagine it would which brings us to the to the topic of homelessness um, in and of itself I think there's quite a few people that do not have either the right perspective or the right information about the homelessness, and they make a whole lot of judgments and a whole lot of assumptions 
about our homeless population, don't you think? Yeah, you know, we see we see that um, so often when we go out and, and talk about this project or talk about other things and um, around ex- people experiencing homelessness. And it can be such a such a challenge um, for uh, for individuals to to change their perceptions of the folks that they see in our community, you know, on a daily be- basis that are on the streets. Um, you know, I was homeless myself, Sherry, and um, I know what it's like to not be able to have a shower. Um, I know what it's like to feel invisible when people walk by you. Um, and um, I know what it's like to struggle uh, to find something to eat. And, um, and you know, by the grace of God, I'm here today doing what I'm doing. And I'm the luckiest CEO in the world. I believe that um, and feel so fortunate today to be where I am. But it really took someone um, that that believed in me and, and saw that I wasn't just the person that I was sitting on the street, but that I had potential. And so many of our individuals that are here experiencing homelessness have that potential, they have the will, and they just need the way. So what do you think is the best approach for homelessness in our community? Um, what do you think uh, we know the challenges. We've been talking about it for years, Sharon. You and I have been in the community for quite a while. Uh, we have sat in numerous committees and coalitions on homelessness. What do you think is the right approach? We know that Hope Springs probably is, too, the right approach. But what else do you think would be the right approach to our homelessness issue? Yeah, Sherry, I just think that we need the entire continuum of housing. And so that's everything from the emergency shelter to bridge housing like Hope Springs, much more of that, um, to um, supported um, uh, longer-term housing to individual, um, you know, living um, living uh, on their own uh, without any services. And uh, we just lack that continuum. And the components that we do have in the continuum um, often don't have the funding and the resources to be able to provide the amount of services that these individuals need. So we know very clearly that uh, most people coming in uh, inside for the first time uh, in a long while need much more than just the roof over their head. They need support and guidance from case managers, from behavioral health, maybe substance use challenges um, and, um, and, and need substance use treatment, uh, psychiatry, um, chronic disease, uh, so they need medicines. You know, oftentimes their diseases are just so um, out of whack. Um, and so, so what we need, I think, in our community is the whole housing continuum with very intensive services, both at the emergency shelter and the bridge housing um, component um, of, the, of the continuum. Well, I think it was in the Gazette yesterday that another motel was raised downtown, um, mm-hmm. and there was an article on it, and how many of the motels have been um, been torn down. and that kept people at least with a roof over their heads. I yes. mean, it may be that people people who have homes to go to and have jobs look at the homeless as it being a choice. And we know that it is not um, always a choice and that many times the motels that, that have been torn down along 4th Street, et cetera, uh, were homes for people. And where do they go after that? 
Yeah, we're seeing such an increase in a number of individuals on the streets, and I'm sure that people um, listening to this uh, also have seen more individuals on the streets and the camps along 4th Street and, um, you know, out um, along the river and um, other places, and and people literally do not have a place to go. Um, And and sometimes there's barriers, you know, maybe they have a dog and, um, you know, they're not willing to give up their dog to be able to go into a shelter that doesn't allow dogs. Um, But, you know, a lot of folks um, just uh, don't feel safe going into the shelter also. And so there has to be a wide um, variety of services to uh, for individuals to access. Um, and, you know, we're moving that way as a community. I mean, we've got the women's and family um, shelter now out at the NAMS campus. Um, what a wonderful, what a wonderful um, opportunity for individuals that are experiencing homelessness um, to be able to have a safe place um, to go now. Um, on that on that nice beautiful campus and work on their work on their life um, the cares mm-hmm. campus is being built you know um, great uh, great opportunity for our community so I think there is some focus and some um, and some um, you know, uh, intention around um, decreasing homelessness in our community that's really being taken on both by the local government and by, you know, nonprofits that have been, you know, preaching to the choir for a long time about what needed to happen. So I think there's, there's, there is some investment now, which is, which is wonderful. We have to celebrate the, the successes too. Yeah. I mean, we have done some things. You're absolutely right. We have done some things very well in Reno and Sparks, and we need to take that next step. I mean, shelters play a certain part for homeless people, and what a lot of people don't realize is how many homeless families we have and how many homeless children that we have in our community. Yeah, so true, so true, and um, and what a challenge for individuals, you know, trying to seek shelter when they have an entire family, um, and, uh, and and we see that also at our clinic with individuals coming into access care. So, um, you know, we're hoping that this project, Hope Springs, is actually something that can be replicated both for families, um, for special populations, um, but something that the community can look at and say, you know, hey, this did not cost. Um, an exorbitant amount of money to build. Um, you know, we didn't invest tens of millions of dollars in this. We, we, it cost us $2.5 million uh, to create the entire campus. And, um, and that's something that can be replicated across, across our community. Um, and that's 30 units, you know, of housing. And um, we mm-hmm. you know, anticipate being able to help you know, 60, 60 individuals or so um, every single, um, every year um, that as individuals move through. And we know that that, you know, saves, saves money in the community also, you know, if sometimes people, um, you know, get frustrated and um, don't, don't, don't think as much about um, what, you know, what, what, um, the individual, but, you know, when you talk about the money that it saves in the community, um, sometimes, you know, people listen up and say, oh, well, then that does make sense. And there's there's a lot of money to be saved when we can house people and keep them from going to the hospitals and in and out of the jails. Right. And quite a few of the homeless are chronically ill. I have a member of my family in California that um, is schizophrenic and he was homeless for quite a while. And then thank goodness, mm-hmm. um, his family was able to get him into a stable housing environment where he took his medication on a daily basis, which that's part of the issue for the mentally ill homeless person is being able to be in a structured environment and take their medication. What a change 
uh, we saw in him, he's a beloved family member, uh, mm-hmm. when he could take his medication daily. Yeah, and it makes that's a huge difference. I mean, we see so many people that um, end up in jail, and they end up being very successful in jail because they're taking medications, but then they're just released um, back out, and they don't have access to the medications, uh, or they don't have the structure to take the medication, so it just becomes this vicious cycle. So um, that's one of the reasons that we really wanted to ensure that we had psychiatry tied in with um, Hope Springs to make sure that individuals that needed that kind of care um, could uh, not only receive it, but learn more about their own mental health, um, you know, illness and, um, and learn how to be more proactive in taking care of themselves mm-hmm. as they graduate off campus. Right. Um, what will be the measurement of success for Hope Springs uh, for you? I mean, knowing um, you as well as I do and knowing how we operate, I'm sure you have outcome measurements that you have to meet. But over and above that, what will what will let you know that this has been Uh, an even bigger success because you've already done a success. You have people living there getting the help they need, but, but down the road, what will be the measure for you? Um, You know, I think that it will be, um, of course, the individuals that change their lives and end up, you know, being um, individuals that are contributing in our society and in our community. Um, But larger than that, I really think the duplication of of this um, would be remarkable because uh, I think that it's it's a it's a program that is going to work and is going to be very successful in the community that does not cost a lot of money. So I'm hoping, I mean, what what it would feel so it would feel so good if some other agencies, you know, said, hey, we want to we want to do this for our population, too. And um, we start to have a bunch of different communities like this um, across the board. That would feel so that would feel so great. So. How can the average person support the chronic homelessness? I know that I've heard people talking about um, and debating the giving two or three dollars to the person on the side of the road that's asking for money. People say, don't give your money, uh, do give your money. But if if you were talking to the average person who said, you know, I'd like to help, but I don't know how, what would be your recommendation? Um, I think uh, two things. One is to talk to individuals that are experiencing homelessness. Um, you know, individuals that are out there that you walk by, that you see on a regular basis, that are maybe in the parks that you visit, um, talk to them and um, and get to know them as individuals and people that have hopes and dreams and uh, and skills and um, and all of those things. Recognize them as a human being. Um, I think that can go so far in an individual um, that's experiencing homelessness and, and changing their lives and touching them. Um, that's one thing. The second thing is to become familiar with the uh, organizations in the community that work with this population um, and find ways to support them. And there's ways to support them, everything from volunteering to donating to um, um, to special projects um, and, um, and also just by becoming educated so that when you have conversations with individuals, um, you're more aware of the resources um, and, um, and also can get feedback from the folks that are experiencing homelessness about what's working in the community and what's not. Um, we need to hear that and uh, bring that back to these organizations that you get to know. And who helped you bring this project to fruition, Sharon? I know you had some major donors. I know you had a lot of people involved. 
Yeah, we really, we really did. Um, you know, the William and Pennington Foundation uh, came through and helped us close out the entire capital campaign. Uh, but we got help from a lot of local foundations, the um, Redfield Foundation. We got help from the Reno um, City, the City of Reno, um, Silver Summit Health Plan, uh, Wells Fargo, just so many Roberts e. Hawkins, mm-hmm. um, Signature Landscapes, so many different EL Cord. Um, Anthem, so many folks that really stepped up and uh, and and helped us and helped so- see the vision and really come through um, to make it a reality. Hmm. I'm always, I'm never surprised, but always amazed at how the people of Washoe County come together uh, to make something work uh, when we have a need. They they really do. Uh, I've seen it for decades that they they just come together and help out when they're asked. Don't you find that? Yeah, really do. We have such a generous community, and um, and when people, when there's a vision and um, and and something that seems to make sense, you know, people come from all all walks um, and all types of businesses and all walks of life um, to step up and um, ensure that you know some of the most disenfranchised individuals in our community um, have access to the things that they need, and that's really remarkable. It feels wonderful to be a part of that. Do you think your model will be replicated elsewhere in our community? I hope so. Um, I hope that it'll be replicated in other places across the country because I think, you know, when you really put intensive services and uh, allow individuals to access those on site, uh, that you have really good outcomes. And so um, I think that once we can start showing some of our successes, not our successes, but our residents' success, um, that that will make a big, uh, a big difference in the number of people that will be interested in the project and maybe replicating. Well, if somebody wanted a tour, you had mentioned that a little bit earlier or wanted to talk with you about Hope Springs, where would they, where would they contact you? Uh, best thing is to is you can call Hopes at uh, 786-4673 and ask for Mandy Larson, and she is our Director of Communications and Philanthropy, and she would be happy to arrange a time for um, individuals to come out and tour. Um, you know, our first in, our first residents are moving in March 22nd, so they haven't moved in yet. Um, but our first residents, and we'll take a little break from giving tours at that time to help our residents get settled, et cetera. Um, but right now is a good time to get a tour and, and, and walk through and be able to see uh, what the community has created. Okay. Well, thank you, Sharon. You must be very, very proud of Hope Springs. Yep. Excited, excited to get it going. <laughs> thank you so yeah. much for having me, Sherry. Oh, you're so welcome. My guest today has been Sharon Chamberlain, CEO of Northern Nevada Hopes. We've been talking about the homeless issue in Washoe County, and we've been talking about one of the solutions to our homeless issue, which is Hope Springs, um, her new community environment from, for homeless people. And uh, thank you, Sharon, for all that you do for our community. And we'll check in with you sometime probably late summer to see how it's going. How would that be? We love it. Thanks so much. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you'd like future podcasts or podcasts that we've done in the past, go to accesstohealthcare.org slash podcast. Again, thank you for listening and stay safe, wear your mask, and please consider getting the vaccine.